Hey there, I'm Jamin Baxter, and I serve Moody Radio as the Director of Business Development. Our team's job is to find businesses that love Moody Radio and Jesus Christ and want to support the work we do financially just like you. Today, I'd like to introduce you to United Faith Mortgage. Simply put, they are a faith-focused mortgage team serving clients across the United States. They've put together a team with Christian values with faith and family at the core. They know that this is arguably the most important purchase of your life. Check out the top five things you should know about United Faith Mortgage at unitedfaithmortgage.com. Thanks to you and United Faith Mortgage for supporting Moody Radio. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Today's version of MoneyWise Live is pre-recorded, so our phone lines are not open. We all have our favorite things in life, things that bring us joy, meaning, and fulfillment. Sometimes it's nice to make a list of our favorites. It helps us recognize and appreciate them even more. Hi, I'm Rob West. You know, we could make lists for many different things. Favorite Bible verses, for example. Well, I recently made a list of my favorite financial things, and I'll share it with you today. And we have some great calls lined up, but we won't be taking your live calls today because we're pre-recorded. This is MoneyWise Live, where finances are always in sync with biblical truth. So first on my list of favorite financial things, it involves, yep, you guessed it, your emergency fund, specifically the best place to keep it. Uh, We talk about this a lot and how higher yield savings rates are found in online banks, not brick and mortar types. And within that category, I have three favorites, Ally, Marcus, and Capital One 360. And of course, all of these are FDIC insured and right now offer around 0.5% on savings. Of those, Marcus may top the list for me. Uh, There you'll find no fees or minimum deposit linking to other banks for same-day transfers and a U.S.-based contact center to answer your questions. I also love their app and website. All right, my next favorite financial thing, you ready? It's the teen checking account, and uh, we're setting them up in the West household as a tool to teach our kids to manage their money wisely. Uh, Proverbs 22.6 is clear, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I recommend a Capital One money teen checking account. That's what they call it. It has no fees or minimum balance. It offers a debit card for teens with parental locking and unlocking and a mobile app that allows you to easily transfer birthday and allowance money into the account. I'm regularly moving money around from my app right into their account. Really, really simple. So uh, I recommend it wholeheartedly. Now, you might be surprised that a credit card is on my list of favorite financial things, but keep in mind that any advice I give you about credit cards always includes the warning that you have to pay off the balance in full every month. Otherwise, 
the interest you pay will wipe out any rewards uh, you receive. That said, my favorite uh, credit card is the Fidelity Rewards Visa Signature Card. And why do I like it so much? Well, it has no annual fee. And listen to this. It gives you 2% on every purchase. That's pretty unusual. It's not for specific categories. Uh, Here's why they're doing it, though. You have to sign up to automatically deposit your cash back into one or more Fidelity accounts, such as a Fidelity 529 plan for college, could be a Roth or traditional IRA or even an HSA. Uh, So you don't get to spend the 2% cash you get back. It has to go into savings. But I think that's a smart idea. We're using it to fund 529s. Um, You know, our friend Ron Blue often says that you can't make money by spending it, but this may be (laughs) the only exception, uh, certainly one of the only ones I've seen. As long as you use this Visa signature card from Fidelity for budgeted purchases only and you pay off the balance in full every month, you can actually save money for the future by spending wisely right now. All right. The next category in my list of favorite financial things are digital envelope budgeting systems. And my favorite, of course, is the MoneyWise app. It's based on the old school, tried and true paper envelope system only It's digital and it's innovative. Uh, Your envelope balances carry over month to month. You can only use the money in your accounts to uh, fund those envelopes so you stay on budget. Uh, The MoneyWise app easily keeps your transactions organized. You can split transactions between envelopes. You can record memos to help you remember what you purchased. You can even run custom reports to see where you're spending the most money. So uh, you can manage all of your accounts in one place, connect to over 11,000 institutions securely, and that way you can easily see all of your accounts and have balances and transactions automatically imported. All that plus the absolute best financial content from a biblical perspective that you'll find anywhere from all of our contributors, the best voices and thought leaders in this space. Uh, So go download it. It's free. You can get it wherever you get your apps. Uh, Just one more of my favorite things, and that's hearing from you. If you have a story to share, send it to us at mystory@moneywise.org. mystory@moneywise.org. We always love to hear how God's working in your life. All right, there you have it, my favorite financial things. You're listening to MoneyWise Live with Rob West. Today's broadcast is pre-recorded, and that means we're not taking any calls. But we've got some calls lined up and great information coming your way that we think you'll find helpful. So stick around for more Money Wise Live after this brief break. It's great to have you with us on Money Wise Live today, but unfortunately, today we're not live. We're pre-recorded and therefore won't be taking your calls. However, we've lined up some calls in advance that we think you'll find helpful. So stay tuned and enjoy the rest of the program. Welcome back to Money Wise Live. I'm Rob West. So glad that you're along with us today. Looking forward to diving into your questions as we apply God's Word, God's truth to your financial life. You might wonder, how does he know there's 2,350 verses on money and possessions in God's Word? Well, Howard Dayton, my good friend and one of my mentors, actually counted them. Here's the story. So he was in a men's Bible study. They discovered uh, early in their faith journey that God's Word had a lot to say about this topic. So they said, let's find out how much he has to say. They divided uh, the Bible into Old Testament and New. Howard, being the newest believer, said, 
I'll take the half in the uh, Old Testament, and uh, you take the new, not realizing it was much longer. (laughs) They actually uh, cut out with uh, uh, scissors every verse dealing with money and possessions, stacked them on the table over weeks uh, that they were using uh, in categories, and then they counted them up 2,350 verses later. They knew God's Word has a lot to say about this topic. Why is that? Well, I believe there's such a connection between our money and our hearts. In fact, Jesus said that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if our heart follows our money, it means we really have to understand what's driving us. Why are we making the decisions we are? And is God and his plan for our life at the center? Because remember, it's all his. We're stewards or managers of his resources. The key is our money reveals what we value, what's most important to us. So here's the question we all need to ask, myself included. What story are we telling with the way we're using God's money about what's most important to us? And are we okay with that? And if we are, great. Let's continue on that track. But if not, maybe this is a time to make a course correction and say, Lord, with your money, I want to show what I value, and it's not the way I'm spending your money today. I want to make a change. Well, the good news is God's Word, as we've said, is chock full of principles and passages that can inform every financial decision we make. So let's apply it to your questions today. Let's start with Marilyn. We'd love to hear your question today. You're on MoneyWise Live. Go ahead. Hi. I just received a letter from my uh, visa, and they're wanting to confirm information about my annual income and housing information. I've never been... um, asked that before. Now, it does say, I remember your response is completely optional, but um, so I was just concerned about it and why they were doing it and have never had it before. Sure. Uh, Marilyn, how did they contact you? By letter. By letter. Okay. Yeah, that's the key. You want to make sure that it is, in fact, coming from uh, who you think it is, regardless of who they claim to be. And generally, if you were to get that by email or you would get that by uh, by a phone call, I would immediately uh, be suspicious. In fact, I would just terminate that communication and uh, move on. But uh, if it's coming through the mail, it likely is something that's legitimate. Oftentimes, credit card companies will update their account uh, profiles uh, for their cardholders. It's not unusual. They do it simply to reevaluate customers' ability to pay. Uh, It can lead, in some cases, to a credit limit increase. Uh, It's not a problem, but you do want to contact them directly. So I'd perhaps call in on the number on the back of your card, and if you want to provide this information, you can do it that way, or you can return it by mail. It's not anything that's going to help you. It's for their benefit, unless you're looking for them uh, to come back with either an increase in limit, uh, perhaps even better terms or interest rates, but it's normal routine business. So again, as long as it's coming by mail... I wouldn't be concerned about it. And if you choose not to provide that information, that's entirely up to you. And we appreciate your call today. Uh, Let's head to Illinois. Al, you're next on the program. What's on your mind? Yeah, I um, bought a timeshare years ago in probably 2001 and um, upgraded four times. They kept saying, well, if you just paid more money and I've paid it off every time um, as soon as it was due. But I have $88,000 in this thing and uh, can't get a time that I want at a place I want. And so I'd just like out of it, I'd like 
my money if possible, but uh, I'm just wondering about your thoughts on this, if that's a possibility and who I should do it through. Yeah. Well, that's a great question, Al. Unfortunately, I don't have a great answer for you. There are more uh, sellers than buyers when it comes to timeshares in terms of those people who have uh, followed through on a, uh, you know, perhaps a solicitation to buy one of these and uh, regretted it, or at least at this season in their life, they're uh, thinking that they don't really want it any longer. And so uh, they're looking for a way to unload it. The problem is that uh, the companies behind these are more interested in selling new ones than they are making a market uh, for somebody that uh, might be looking to get out of it. And so um, it's going to be challenging. Uh, a couple of thoughts in terms of where you might go from here. Uh, there is the Timeshare Users Group. Uh, it's at tug2.net. That's T-U-G, the number two, dot net. They have a lot of great information about selling a timeshare and a marketplace uh, to help you do it. Unfortunately, as I said, the secondary market for timeshares is not great because of low demand. Um, in addition to that, and you're going to have varied success with this, but I'll just mention a few other options. Uh, you could contact the management company that oversees it to see if they can resell it for you. Uh, people who are staying at the resort would be your best prospects, and they're already talking to the management company. I would at least make the call to see. Uh, you could consider renting it instead of selling it. I'd try to work through the management company if at all possible. Uh, you can advertise it locally in a local newspaper or local realtor who deals with timeshares. Not all do, um, but this would be an option and you can even advertise it through uh, social media. I don't recommend, and not that you were necessarily thinking of this, but I don't recommend giving it to a charity since they'd be responsible for the ongoing maintenance. So uh, check out the timeshare users group at tug2.net or some of those other options, and we'll wish you well in terms of uh, getting rid of that. I know it can be a, uh, a real hassle and expensive to keep up over time. We appreciate your call today. Uh, let's head to Chicago, Illinois. Manuela, you're next on the program. What's on your mind? Great. Thank you so much for taking my call. Uh, sure. So I recently received a gift of $28,000, and I would like to know how to invest it. Um, I do have a mortgage uh, principal of 134000 that will mature in May of 2050, as well as a car loan of 14000 Okay. All right. And you came into $28,000. Uh, tell me about uh, any savings that you have. Do you have an emergency fund in addition to this $28,000? I do not. Okay. I do not. All right. Um, and do you have any credit card debt? I do not. Okay. Uh, so your only debts at this point are your car loan and your uh, home mortgage. Um, what would you say the total of your monthly expenses are? When you put all of your monthly expenses together, including food and your mortgage payment and that car payment and everything else, insurance that it takes to fund your family for a, a one-month period, what would you guess that would be? Uh, my guess would be about 2000 about 2000 All right, let's say uh, you're off by a bit. Let's say it's 2500 or even uh, 3000 just to be conservative. You know, if you were to put three months' uh, expenses away, that'd be 9000 If you were to put six months, that'd be 18000 That would be the number that I'd be targeting, somewhere between uh, nine and 18000 that I would move from that 28000 into an 
online savings account. As I mentioned at the top of the program, I like Marcus, I like Capital One 360, I like Ally Bank. Any one of those are going to pay you about a half a percent in interest. There's not going to be any fees to open the account. You can link it right up to your checking. You can do same-day transfers through the ACH system. Therefore, if you have an unexpected expense, Manuela, you're not uh, going to have to put that on a credit card or you know, uh, not be able to take care of it. You'll have the money there to do it, and the unexpected will come. And so that's why I want it liquid and a savings account, again, earning some interest, but more importantly than that, available when you need it. Uh, so let's say you were to do that with 18000 That would mean that you'd have about... 10,000 remaining. Uh, do you have any immediate needs to, for instance, is that car in good working order or are you saving for anything else that might be a major expense in the next five years? So the car is in good shape. Um, I had just purchased it. It's a, a 2017 uh, year old. I mean, you know, from 2017. So it's fairly new. Yes. Um, it's Yeah. So I, that would be the only thing that I would have to okay. for right are now. You, um, are you putting something away for retirement? No, I do not have a retirement plan. So that was okay. going to be my next question. Yeah, very good. Well, I, I think that would be a great option. Um, you could look at funding a Roth IRA, uh, which you could open at uh, Fidelity. You could open at Betterment. You could open at Vanguard. Uh, basically, you'd open a Roth IRA. You could fund it $6,000. If you're over the age 50, you could put in $7,000 uh, per tax year. If you're married, you and your spouse could do that uh, You know, for $12,000 or $14,000, depending on your age. I think that would be a great next step for you. And any one of those options would have some great investment options for you once you've funded it to put it in where you'd have broad diversification and low fees. So I think uh, that might be the best next step. Let's fully fund that uh, emergency savings, and then let's get that money working for you for the longer term. If you have a company-sponsored plan at work, like a 401k or 403b, I'd think about... uh, putting some money away there, starting with maybe 5% of your pay, try to get up to 10 to 15% over time. That's going to make sure you have good savings for the future. We appreciate your call. Hey, more to come right around the corner. This is Money Wise Live. We'll be right back. You're listening to MoneyWise Live, and you can find us online at moneywiselive.org. However, today we're not live, so if you hear that phone number, please don't call. But do stay with us. There's lots of great information ahead. At the top of the program today, I mentioned our MoneyWise app. We're so excited at how quickly uh, you all are downloading the app, getting involved, setting up your uh, envelope system and tracking your expenses by downloading all your transactions. You're getting involved in the community inside the app, posting your questions. Our coaches are responding uh, with their answers, giving you feedback and all of our great content. Remember, all the best content in biblical finance is flowing into our app and our website uh, where you can read the latest and great topics on 
God's Word applied to the financial issues you're dealing with right there in our Discover tab. That's all in the MoneyWise app, plus all of our episodes here from MoneyWise Live. You can access it right there. Where do you download it? Well, just head over to your app store, whether that's the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, and go download the MoneyWise app today, and I'll see you in the community and look forward to taking your questions. By the way, speaking of that community, a great question that came in recently, uh, Christian uh, Jeff, you asked... Should we pay off our credit card debt or fund our emergency fund? What advice do you have for us? And Christy and Jeff, that's a great question. Uh, Here's my take on that. Uh, If you've got credit card debt, uh, presumably high interest credit card debt, and you've not yet funded your emergency fund, maybe you just started listening to Money Wise Live and you're starting to think about the need to have some funds set aside, which by the way is very biblical. There's precious oil and treasure in the house of the wise. The foolish man swallows it up. So you want to have something for the unexpected. Ultimately, I'd like for you to have, Christy and Jeff, three to six months expenses in that emergency fund in an online savings account linked to your checking. But if you've got high interest credit card debt, here's the way I'd approach it. Let's uh, dial into that spending plan, get in the MoneyWise app, download your expenses, start managing your budget, and free up as much margin as you can. With that margin, I want you to focus on your emergency fund first. Let's get to $1,500. When you get to $1,500, stop there, and then let's focus on the credit card debt, snowballing it, uh, paying all the minimums, but with the smallest balance, apply 100% of your surplus every month until that one's gone, and then move on to the next one and the next one. Once they're all paid off, credit card debt only, I'm not talking about cars and you know other loans, uh, once your credit card debts are paid off, let's go back to the emergency fund and get that up to three to six months expenses, and I hope that helps you. All right, back to the phones. Winter Haven, Florida. Manny, you're next on the program. What's on your mind today? Yes, good afternoon. I enjoy your show. Thank um, you. My question is, uh, um, I have a mortgage of uh, over $68,000. I have uh, about $5,000 that I can put towards it, but I'm not sure uh, whether or not I should just make extra payments uh, on on mortgage or just pay, you know, give uh, $5,000 uh, towards the principal. Yes. Uh, no, it's always better if this money has been earmarked for debt reduction, specifically for your mortgage, Manny. Uh, go ahead and pay that as soon as you can. The quicker you get that money uh, directly going toward principal and get that balance down, you're going to be uh, paying less in interest over the remainder of the loan. So it'd certainly be better for you to go ahead and apply all of that to the principal. The key, though, is I'd make sure that you uh, talk to them so that you apply that in the way that they want you to. It could be that they want you to add a note to the uh, coupon when you send it in, or maybe you need to designate that on the website. Uh, Just make sure that that amount over and above your payment is 100% going right to principal. It's probably going to happen that way, but it's worth a phone call given that uh, this is a little bit unusual for you. But that's a great uh, thing to do, and I'm excited you're going to get that mortgage paid off early. Hey, when we come back, much more of your questions on MoneyWise Live, where God's truth meets our financial decisions. You're listening to an encore presentation of MoneyWise Live. You can find out more information about the topics we're talking about when you visit our website, moneywiselive.org. Today's program is pre-recorded, so keep that in mind. We're going to pause for a brief break, but we'll be back in a moment with more MoneyWise Live.
Welcome back to Money Wise Live. So glad you're along with us today. Uh, just ahead, we're going to be talking about building credit for a gentleman marrying someone from another country. We'll also talk about diversifying your investment portfolio uh, in your IRA when retirement is just around the corner and an alternative for 401ks. But first, let's go to Austin, Texas, and welcome Yvonne to the broadcast. Yvonne, what's on your mind today? How are you doing? I'm I'm just uh, trying to help my son out. I've okay. got um, a home that's almost paid off, and um, he's 41. He's never owned a home, and I want him. Uh, I want to sell my home to him. He's been paying uh, a rental fee for about four years of 700 a month. Now, I was told there's no way to to keep that payment at that price. Um, but I would still like to know how to do that so that I can sell this house and I could have a retirement. Uh, Yeah. So you're looking to sell the home to your son and then you're going to cash out and, uh, invest that money. And he wants to move into this property. Is that right? He's already living in the property. Yes. Okay. All right. And are you looking to sell it at market value or are you looking to sell it to him at below market? Way below market. Okay, about how much below? Probably about eighty thousand, and it's right now. Its market's like two fifty. Okay. All right. Well, I think the key here is to understand a couple of things. Number one is if it's sold below market to a family member, uh, that's going to be treated as a gift from the IRS. And if that goes beyond what is an annual gift exclusion, you're going to need to report that. And so you'll want to talk to your tax preparer about that. Uh, You'll also want to uh, get a real estate attorney to help you uh, with this uh, transaction just to make sure everything is filed properly and the uh, you know, documents are handled appropriately so that legal title passes. Um, and then once you receive the proceeds of the sale, assuming you've handled it properly legally, as well as from a tax standpoint and from a gift standpoint, since the IRS will see it that way, then it's just a function of uh, how you should invest the money uh, to generate an income uh, that will allow you to meet your needs. Will you have another income source, Yvonne, other than the proceeds yes. of this home sale? Yes, I do. My husband what is, that? is employed. Okay, very My good. My husband is employed. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And so how much will you be looking to draw off of this, uh, the proceeds of the home sale to supplement your husband's income? Um, probably, you know, that's, a, I never thought of that, but I guess you all I'm have not a real sh- sure. Okay. Do you have a shortfall every month or are you able to cover your bills with your husband's income? We're able to cover, but it's pretty tight. Okay. And what are you selling the home to your son for? Around 80 grand. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, I think the key for you at this point would be, uh, first of all, just to kind of go through the priority orders. You know, if you have an emergency fund, great. If you don't, I'd love for you to shore that up with this 80000 um, essentially putting away the equivalent of three to six months expenses in a savings account. If you have any high interest credit card debt, get that paid off or any other types of loans. Beyond that, it could be that uh, the very best place for you to put this money is to start investing it so that it can, so that it can grow for your future. So when your husband is no longer able to work or the Lord reassigns him to something else, this money is greater than the proceeds of this home sale down the road. 
um, and you can allow that to supplement uh, Social Security or other any other income sources you might have. I think the only other thing to consider is just whether you're in a position financially uh, to sell uh, this home to your son at this great a discount. Uh, you know, it could be that you all need to go ahead and sell it at full market value because, you know, that's money that you're counting on for the future. And there's other ways to bless your son. Maybe you could, you know, give him a smaller gift and then leave him an inheritance down the road. I'm not saying you shouldn't sell it to him at a discount if that's what the Lord's leading you both to do. I would just think through it. You wouldn't want to put yourself in a real financial bind years from now when you don't have perhaps enough uh, in the in retirement savings uh, you know when your husband is is no longer able to work uh, beyond that I would get some help in investing these funds so that uh, you're not going it alone and you could do that with our friends at soundmindinvesting.org or you could uh, contact a certified kingdom advisor there in Austin Texas just go to moneywiselive.org and click find a CKA and I hope that helps you today we appreciate your call up next is AJ uh, you're calling from Cleveland today, and how can we help you? How are you guys doing today? Uh, doing great, AJ. Thanks. Awesome. Appreciate your ministry. Thank you. Um, so I was just wondering about uh, some different alternatives to a 401k plan. I, I currently have a union pension that's building, um, but... I've been hearing a lot of negative things about a 401k and kind of where that's going. And I have an opportunity right now to come out of the union and start a 401k, but I didn't know if that was the route I actually wanted to go, if there were other alternatives that made more sense. Yeah. Um, I actually think it probably is your best option. So what's going to be made available to you? It'll be a 401k through your employer, and will there be any matching? Uh, yeah, it'll be a partial match. I want to say 50% up to 6%. Okay, that's great. So, you know, you put in 6%, they give you another 3% on top of it. That's a, you know, 50% return on your money. You're not going to get that anywhere else. That's great. And the nice thing about the 401k is you can get the tax deferral through the traditional uh, version. You can get the tax-free growth uh, you know, with the Roth version of a 401k, but the contribution limits are much higher than you're going to see elsewhere unless you're self-employed at 19500 versus an IRA, let's say, which is at 6000 So you can put away more money on an annual basis. And again, that 50% return on your money in the form of a match is money you're not going to find anywhere else, um, you know, by contributing outside of that 401k. The good news is by fully maxing out that match, you're going to have nine percent going every year just you know at that minimum level i'd love for you to get that up to as much as 15 percent um i'm not concerned about the future of 401ks any you know the massive amount of money in 401ks would make it very difficult politically for anything to change with regard to how 401ks are handled and treated and it would take an act of congress um, so I, I feel like that's the very best place for you to invest moving forward as you come out of this union option and move into uh, a self-directed option. Does that make sense, though? Yeah. Yes, it does. Yes, okay. It does. Very Thank good. So yeah, you're welcome. Last thing I'll say, AJ, is get some counsel as you think about how to invest the money that goes into that 401k, uh, whether that's a plan administrator that can give you some guidance or whether you 
pay a financial advisor, you know, for a few hours of his or her time. Uh, that'll be well worth uh, the money you spend as you uh, get that invested properly based on your age, your goals and objectives, and your risk tolerance. You don't want it invested too aggressively, but you certainly don't want it invested too conservatively. Uh, you want to make sure that it's got uh, good growth, especially if you've got plenty of years between now and retirement. We appreciate your call today. Thank you very, very much. Hey, uh, let me mention before our uh, next break, uh, MoneyWise Live is uh, funded solely based on your generous support. We are a listener-supported radio program and ministry, and I'd love for you to think about partnering with us as we move forward and uh, app development and the radio broadcast and all the things we're doing with our MoneyWise coaches. If you would prayerfully consider being a partner with us, you can head to moneywiselive.org and click the donate button. You can give one time or monthly, and we'd certainly be grateful. We'll be right back after this. Stay with us. Welcome back to MoneyWise Live. I'm Rob West. Are you looking to align your financial counsel with your values as a believer? Well, the Certified Kingdom Advisor designation is for professionals who are specially trained to bring God's Word to bear in the context of competent financial advice. If you'd like to find a CKA in your area in the uh, arenas of investments, financial planning, tax and accounting, uh, legal for estate planning and insurance, you can do so at our website, moneywiselive.org. Just click Find a CKA. By the way, right next to that, you'll see how you can connect with a coach. And we have just graduated a whole new group of MoneyWise coaches. These are volunteers that want to serve you as part of their ministry, help you get on a spending plan and set up your MoneyWise app and get on a debt repayment plan and a giving plan. They'll also teach you some key biblical financial principles along the way. Now just click connect with a coach when you visit, again, moneywiselive.org. Let's go back to our phones. Woodstock, Illinois. Rebecca, you're next on the program. What's on your mind? Hi. Um, I'm just wondering how to, if I should diversify my IRA. My house is paid off. My car is paid off. Um, both are in good condition. I have about four months of um, savings for emergency plus some other stuff. And yes. anyway, I, um, I'm just wondering, you know, I've, I've been reading and it says to diversify your IRA and it's like, I don't, I'm not quite sure, you know, I have it everything right now in one pot, which is a mid cap and I'm going to okay. be retiring in about three and a half years, three and a half years. All right. Tell me what's going to happen when you retire, Rebecca, in terms of your income sources, will you be relying on social security alone or do you have other income that you'll be counting on? No, just Social Security and, you know, whatever, you know, I figure about 4000 a year from my IRA. Okay, um, and how much I'm do hoping. you have accumulated currently in the IRA? 100000 And then I have another eleven, twelve, and a 401k. Okay, so let's say that grows to 125000 uh, we would typically say you'd only want to pull about four uh, thousand, or excuse me, four percent a year, which would be about five thousand right. total. Um, but you're yeah. looking to pull about, you said, how much a month? Just just about four thousand a year. Okay, about four thousand a year. Yeah, yeah. To supplement your social security. Forever. <laughs> okay, right. that's great. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. the key right now is that you need to be more conservative than having a hundred percent of your assets. 
uh, you know, uh, at the risk of the stock market in mid-cap stocks. Uh, first of all, even if you had much longer, I'd want you more properly diversified with small cap, mid-cap, and large cap. I'd want to make sure you have some domestic and international investments. You'd probably want to have a little bit of bond exposure, maybe 5% toward the precious metals. That's going to give you a really well-rounded portfolio so you're not counting on uh, just one, not only one asset class, stocks to perform well. In your case, you're counting on stocks to perform well and a very specific subset of those stocks, which happen to be mid-cap sized companies. Uh, that's just a little too narrow. So we need to broaden that out. The other thing is, given that you're only three and a half years away from really relying on this to be a key part of your um, you know, income uh, to supplement Social Security at four to 5000 a year, which is very doable, but you don't want to be in a position where you're at 100% risk of the market. And let's say two years from now, and I'm, I'm not saying I know this is going to happen, but I'm just putting a hypothesis out there or, uh, or a scenario. Let's say two years from now, the market really starts to take a downturn. We head into a recession that lasts a couple of years. And then a year after that, you're ready to retire, but your 125000 is now you know 80000 uh, because the market's taken a pretty big hit. Uh, you want to be able to let that recover, but you'd be in a position where you'd have to start selling at least a portion of those investments to be able to uh, supplement your income. And I don't want you to be in that spot. So I'd begin moving to a much more uh, conservative portfolio. Uh, you're probably going to want to seek some uh, professional assistance, either through like a certified kingdom advisor there in Illinois, um, or by at the very least using one of the robo advisors that could help you determine what the right allocation is based on your age, your risk tolerance, and your proximity to retirement. You're probably not going to want to have more than, I'm going to say 30 at the most 50% of your investments at the risk of the stock market at this point, just because you're so close to retirement and you're not going to have time to let um, you know that portion recover um, if you're going to have to start selling things to pull out. Whereas if you, let's say you're at 50% for the next year and then 40 and then 30%, uh, the idea would be that you could go ahead and start withdrawing that 4000 a year out of the fixed income portion while you waited for the stock portion to recover. And that's you know what you want to do typically in that season of life so that you've got a growth component in the good years. And historically speaking, those have out you know, pace the the bad years. So there's, you know, I would expect many more good years ahead, but they, you know, there's going to be bumps along the way. And when we hit those bumps, we want to be able to not have to sell any of those stock investments. We want to be able to wait for them to recover. So I think your next step, if you want to seek out an advisor to help you build that portfolio that I'm describing, I'd head to uh, moneywiselive.org, click find a CKA, interview two or three, um, you know, your portfolio size is right at the size where, you know, it, it, for some advisors, it may not be enough for others, it will be, but they could build you a portfolio that makes sense based on where you're at right now. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. okay. Very good. Moneywiselive.org. Click Find a CK. We appreciate your call today. Next up, we're going to talk about building credit uh, when you're getting married. Uh, Kyle, tell me what's going on in your life. Hey, how you doing? Um, Great. Yes, yeah, so I'm doing this fiancé visa. I'm going to marry marry a girl from another country. And I was just seeing the best way to get her credit. I was thinking about maybe putting her as authorized user on my credit cards. Yeah. 
Well, you certainly could do that. Do you, will she uh, have an ITIN number, uh, individual taxpayer ID number, or will she actually get a social when you get married? Uh, to be honest, I, I don't know. Yeah, I would look into that. I mean, at the very least, she's going to want to request an individual taxpayer identification number. Uh, you could see about adding her once she has that uh, as an authorized user. That would certainly do the trick. Uh, there is something called Nova Credit. You may want to research if you're new to the U.S. and you want to apply for financial products. Uh, the benefit of that is that uh, in some cases will allow you to transfer your credit history from a previous country of residence. And that credit is then plugged into the top global consumer credit bureaus uh, to bring your credit to the U.S. for use by the American lenders, um, essentially moves your credit file over. It may or may not apply to the country she's coming from. And, um, you know, it doesn't work in every case, but it's at least worked worth looking into. Uh, in addition, Kyle, to uh, being an authorized user, once she has that uh, taxpayer ID number, uh, she can look at opening a secured credit card at your bank, perhaps. She'd put a certain amount on deposit, and then she'd be issued a credit card against that. She can only charge up to what's on deposit. And then as she uh, charges budgeted items, that would begin a reporting to her credit file. There's also something called a credit builder loan. Just Google that. You'll see what it is. It's not used for making purchases. Basically, the lender deposits a small amount of money in a secured savings account on your behalf. It's a loan that stays deposited in your savings. You pay off the loan with monthly payments. The whole idea behind it is to establish good habits and to build credit. Uh, most of them are small, so there'll be small monthly payments, and they're fairly easy to qualify for. So I think between those options, you should be on the right track. But uh, by the way, congratulations. What an exciting time. Thank you. All right. Hey, we appreciate your call today, Kyle. Uh, call us back anytime if you have any questions. On to Joliet, Illinois. John, uh, you're going to be our last caller today. What's on your mind, sir? Okay, uh, I'm getting ready to pay off my home in about another month from now. And uh, I wanted to make sure that, you know, my uh, two adult uh, children are on the title uh, and make sure that if once I leave the world, uh, to make sure that they don't have to go through uh, the state and go through courts and all of that to have to pay a lot of fees to make sure, you know, that they don't have to be uh, worried about that. So I yeah. want to pre-plan that. I want to plan that ahead. So once the, cause I've been told that once I pay off the house, I'll be getting the deed. The deed has my name on it from the County, but I want to make sure that I can put them on the deed. So if they decide to keep the home uh, and rent it out, or if they decide to sell it and split down the middle, whatever the profit would be, I want to make sure that they can do that. Well, I appreciate that question, John. Essentially, you're looking to keep this out of probate. And, you know, there's better ways to do it than putting them on the deed while you're alive. And I'd always seek uh, counsel of a competent estate planning or real estate attorney to help you think through this. An estate planning attorney would be best. Uh, but here's the idea is that if they're on the deed now, let's say, and this is obviously a worst case scenario, let's say one of them predeceased you. Uh, now they're legally entitled to it, and then it's going to pass to their 
you know, whoever's uh, their next of kin or whoever their assets are going to, which may not, you know, follow what your intentions are, um, that would be an unintended consequence that would be negative. Um, and obviously, if you wanted to sell it at any point, they'd be immediately entitled to their portion, which may happen prior to you, you know, wanting to give this to them at death. You'd want to be able to take the proceeds and go buy something else. Let's say you got into, you know, a situation where you just decided you needed to downsize or you needed to move for some reason. Uh, the most common way to do what you're talking about is through a revocable trust. Uh, I would look at that. It's going to allow you to maintain control of your property, but it's going to allow you to decide how it's distributed after death without going through probate, which was your goal. And uh, you would just title the home in the name of the trust. So get with an estate planning attorney and they'll help you figure that out. Hey, folks, thanks for being along with us today. MoneyWise Live is a partnership between Moody Radio and MoneyWise Media. I want to say thank you to Dan Anderson, Amy Rios, Rich Rosel along with us today. Thank you for your calls. Make sure you come back and join us tomorrow. This is MoneyWise Live, where God's words meets today's financial decisions. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow.